I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Theo Boyd, author of My Grief Is Not Like Yours, Learning to Live After Unimaginable Loss, A Daughter's Story. In June 2019, Theo Boyd was content and fulfilled. She enjoyed teaching high school English and was proud to have a daughter in college. She had a beautiful home in a suburb of Dallas, Texas, and a successful husband. She had a close, loving relationship with her sister and her parents. Life had become what she had always wanted until July 29, 2019. On that terrible day, her mother was killed in a tragic farming accident, run over by a tractor her father was driving. She writes with honesty and raw emotion about the day that started the contagion of devastating events that would leave her without hope, without purpose, and without direction. Theo had no idea of the blows to come over the next three years. She reveals the story of her struggle with complicated, lingering grief that comes after unexpected, unspeakable loss. She's a former high school English teacher and an active volunteer in community organizations. Welcome to the show, Theo. Nice to have you on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, at this time of year, as we all know, uh, people, I think, are particularly vulnerable to their emotions, their grief, their sadness, the holidays, all of those kinds of things. So I guess my first question is, if I went into Barnes & Noble or a store or went online, wanted to buy a book on grief, there would be hundreds. Why would I choose your book, especially because I'm really interested in the title? My grief is not like yours. So I'm looking at the title. Okay, it's not like mine. Should I get another book or what do I do? And um, <laughs> so I'm really, <laughs> and I wouldn't do that, but I'm just asking the question. Yeah. So, because it is true. I mean, I think there's a, a you know, there's a lot of grief surrounding the holidays and looking back and all of those kinds of things. So if my grief is not like when yours. When I started, right. When I, I'm glad you asked about the title because that's my favorite part of the book. And the title has never changed from the moment I decided after my mother's accident to start journaling about it and writing. The title has never changed. And I wrote the book for me. And to find out now that it's helping other people, that is just where that fuels me to just keep, to keep writing and keep helping everybody that's going through this horrible world of grief. But the title, let me explain. I did not title it so that people would read just about my grief. I titled it so that when they got the book, they could own that title for themselves. My grief is not like yours. Shortly after my mom's accident, um, very sweet friends and family would give me, you know, very unsolicited advice, but they would say, you know, when I, when I lost my mom or when I did this, and I honestly couldn't even hear them because unless their mother had been run over by a tractor and their father was driving it, I had nothing in common with this person. And all they kept ringing in my head was, my grief is not like yours. So what happens is when you offer a comparison or you try to talk to somebody that's freshly grieving, especially after traumatic loss, what you do is you just push that person further down into their darkness and they feel like their grief is unheard. So I thought if I'm feeling this way, there's got to be a million other people or more feeling the same way. So I wrote the book with the title that the my grief is not like yours, so that people could write their own grief into the book. 
And after each chapter, I put questions relating to the chapter back to the reader and journaling line so that they can journal in their own grief. What do you do? How do you break that cycle, though? People are coming up to you, right, and saying things that are really not helpful. As you Now I understand my grief is not like yours. Uh, what do you say to these people? As you say, most of them you can't even hear because you're in such pain. So you want help. It, it, yes. Yeah. Uh, you want to connect. It, or, yeah, uh, go ahead. It's very difficult. I, I remember being in with my counselor, and this was shortly after my mom's accident, and I said, what do I say? I said, when somebody starts telling me about their loss and their grief, and I'm, you know, I'm experiencing my fresh loss, what can I say? I said, what I'd like to say is, did your, did your dad run over your mom with a tractor too? And my counselor kind of chuckled and said, that's probably not the best thing to say. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> we, we can't say anything at that time. The best thing is to just say thank you and move on and realize that people just don't know what to say. So they're saying, you know, they're in a better place. Um, everything happens for a reason. You know, we've all heard these things, but to a freshly grieving person, those words start to carry like this heavy weight. And it's like something that you just don't want to hear. But unfortunately, you can't just throw it right back at them. Just thank them and move on and realize they have just never experienced anything like this. How helpful, or I don't know, if, I know you had a therapist uh, who obviously was very helpful, who was there for you. What about group therapy? I mean, I had interviewed someone who both of his, all his children, two of his children were killed in a car accident and that was it. And, mm. and, and experienced some of the same feelings that you're talking about, you know, uh, and people saying, I, I, you know, I'm afraid to say something. He said, nobody has to be afraid to say anything to me. And I'm, I'm hearing this from you because I've experienced the worst. You're not going to hurt me. <laughs> uh, I've, or, you know, I'm, I've, I've had my grief. I know what it is. And there's nothing you can say that's really going to mitigate that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what about nothing scares me anymore? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing. And, and that makes sense. So what about group therapy or people who have had catastrophic, uh, experiences, great, you know, loss, I guess is really the word, right? Is that helpful or has that been helpful to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, any type of therapy that you can get, if that, if that is working for you specific to your type of grief, and I'm going to go back to here a little ways. My therapist and I, my counselor therapist, you know, she had been with me for 18 years. And I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, you devoted a whole chapter to in your book to her, you know, why did you have a counselor for that long? And I have always been a firm believer by being a school teacher that you not only need to exercise all parts of your body, but we need to exercise our brain as well. And that's going to a counselor. So I'd had her through, you know, very simple life problems like raising a teenage daughter, blended marriage, but never had I utilized her in the way that I did July 29th, 2019. I text her the night that the accident had happened. And I was asking and just hoping that she would text me back. I had a great relationship with her and she was critical to my healing. She was critical to my father's healing and being able to stay with us for three years. And <clears throat> excuse me, I, I want to say that one of the five tips that I have for getting through the holidays is to talk it out. 
The second tip is to talk it out to a professional person. We get a lot of unsolicited advice, as I mentioned before, from friends and family, and that's very, you know, good. But a lot of times we don't want to hear it or it's not the right thing. It is critical to healing, especially if somebody that has suffered traumatic loss, that you speak to somebody that is special, that has a specialty in your specific type of grief or situation. It is crucial to your well-being to let your let yourself speak of those things and get professional wisdom. And I share a lot of, my counselor's name was Gail. So I share a lot of Gailisms in the book. And one thing that she said that always that I have to repeat to myself all throughout the day, every day, because I still am a grieving person. Grief is my new counterpart. But she said, be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself. So if you can find a group that is doing that for you, that is helping you to learn how to live again, kindly, more gently with yourself, then I stay with that group. Anytime that you can find an outlet for your grief and you're able to talk it out and have people actually listen without comparison, that is a very healing, healing journey for you to be on. What do you do? How do you become aware, I guess, is the question of that maybe you're not being good to yourself, what are some of the signs or the symptoms? You know, you think you're being good to yourself or you think you're doing the right thing and actually you're not. And so what does one have to look out for uh, in, in terms of their, it, how they're behaving or, or how they're expressing their emotions and maybe they're not being good to themselves? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. What, yeah. What a great question. I've not been asked that and that's wonderful. I'm so glad I'm going to use that. Um, if you if you feel if you feel edgy or you feel constantly angered or upset or if you feel um, let me see I just had it I was just thinking as you were asking that oh sickness if you're getting sick a lot you're not getting enough rest um, any of those agitated feelings then there's probably something going on that you're not taking care of you've got to get plenty of rest you've got to stay hydrated I think after the weeks after my mom and then my dad's and then my marriage ending, you know, I was just so thirsty. I think I drank more water during those weeks than I've ever drank in my life. And staying hydrated, doing things that help you, not so much going out with a group that they think they're going to help you by taking you out. I said no to a lot of friends that wanted to do things with me because I just knew that putting myself in that situation might not be the best thing for me at the at that particular time in my journey. And remember, no can be a complete sentence. You do not have to do everything that you always did. So give yourself, and that's another one of my five tips, give yourself grace in grief. Give yourself grace to manage this holiday season. If you don't think you can cook or entertain like you always have, then don't. They will understand. Give yourself the time that you need to rest and reflect and repair. And if you're not doing that, you're going to see it in your physical well-being, your mental well-being. And just really, you have to almost, if you've never been mindful or practiced self-care before, you're going to get a crash course in it because your body is going to start to shut down. So you've really got to listen to your body. 
listen to your body and what else uh, what i also hear you saying is you have choices you have cho- you have choices to to uh, i think we're talking about boundaries to create those boundaries can't let other yes. people this yeah and as you say you can say no it's okay and because that's good for you I, and i'm always into i think boundaries are critical and sometimes hard to hard to maintain, especially when you're needy or you're feeling needy, but knowing this is not right for you and you can say no. Yeah, I've, I've always had a hard time with that until this happened. And I realized, you know, my mom's gone, my dad's gone, my husband's gone. Nobody's looking out for me but me. And that's when you really have to step up and say, listen, and almost talked, I talked to myself a lot you know, Theo, right now, this is probably not best for you. And I had a lot of girlfriends call, and, and they're wonderful. They're my best friends in the whole wide world, and I devote a chapter to them in the book. They're called My Fairy Blonde Mothers. And they magically appear anytime things, you know, went bad for me. And they're wonderful, but they wanted to take me out one night. I specifically remember this one night. They were like, we promise you're going to laugh a lot. It's going to be great. But, you know, I just wasn't feeling it. And I, I said, you know, tonight I just don't think I can and I'm sorry. And I ended up going to bed early that night. I got plenty of rest, which I probably would not have done had I went out. And it was better for me the next day because where I get my healing and where I put my energy is in that, is in my writing. And I knew that the next day I wanted to finish a chapter and I wanted to get that done. And that meant more to me than going out and hoping that I could meet their requirements, which was making me laugh and making me be happy. Because we all know when it comes down to it, we are in charge of our emotions, no one else. So it's up to us to exact what you just said, stand up for yourself and create that boundary. You suffered other losses, and we kind of touched on that, I guess, in the beginning in the interview. Um with your therapist, I mean, you were talking about your therapist of so many years, and then she she died. What was the... Oh, uh, she died yeah. suddenly, and that was just so... I, I think I I was at school, and it was almost the end of a, of a school day, and my students were doing silent reading. I taught 10th grade English, and, you know, I had just got back in the groove. My mom had died in July. This was February of the next year, 2020. And I got a text. I looked over and my phone had went off and it said, did you know Gail Frazier died today? And I just, I, I just thought, I, this is not real. I must be in a nightmare. And I got a teacher to cover my class. I left. I remember sitting in my car out in the parking lot and just bawling. And I, I knew that she'd been ill. I wasn't quite sure. Of course, I did not even know the gravity of the situation. And I, What was hard for me in that is that I was going to have to let my dad know that somebody else that we depended on and that was helping us, like my mother, his wife, had left us tragically. And I didn't know how I was going to let him know. And I I just, you know what, I'm going to call him. And I just called my dad. And as I was driving to his house and I said, Gail passed away. And we both just cried together on the phone and just letting that out and Catherine, I just remembered what I was going to say earlier. When, uh, if you you will know that you're not treating yourself kindly if you are not grieving. A lot of people try to shut it down and do other things to get their mind off of the grief. But what happens with grief is that it eventually will come out, and it could be years down the road, and it will excuse me, it will present itself in a great depression. You will you will. 
um, you will eventually have to deal with that grief. So if you're out there and you've lost someone, but you're putting it off and you're ignoring it and you're just trying to pretend it didn't happen, eventually it's going to find you. So the best thing to do is just embrace it and and let grief be a part of your life and let that memory and that loss and that love, because that's the love you had for that person, let it be there and go ahead. It's okay to feel the emotions. So when I, when I let my dad know and we both cried together, we both felt it together, and then we began healing from another loss together. Isn't grief the other side of loss, love? I mean, if you love somebody, yes. yeah, they, and you lose them, then that's where, then, you're grie- then you grieve their loss and their love. Um, now, you're, uh, I'm your father, uh, I'd like to talk about him because he, too— was he was diagnosed with a certain kind of dementia, I guess, and yes. then he committed suicide. Yes. So you that's know, an- Daddy. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Daddy, right after Mama's accident, my dad was a, a peanut farmer, a rancher, cattle rancher, and a preacher, country preacher, and he had preached the Bethel Bible Church out here in Hill County, Texas, for 33 years, and. Um, he and my mom would have been married 50 years. The accident happened six months shy of their 50th. So we went from planning a 50th wedding celebrate wedding anniversary celebration to planning a funeral. And the night of the accident, I heard my father saying horrible things, words I'd never heard him say, every cuss word in the book. And I was just in shock. And I remember texting my counselor, hoping this was a night that she'd be able to text me back and I said, what do I do? You know, my my dad accidentally ran over my mom with a tractor. You know, he's saying horrible things. I don't know what to do. And she texted me back and said, let him say the words that he needs to say. Those are the words that carry the weight of his pain. And I think that is so important that we remember as a society that grief does not have a blueprint. And if I'm not saying go into a crowd of kindergartners and start cussing, but I'm saying if your person that is grieving is saying things that you don't understand, let them have that. Let them say the words they need to say, because sometimes those are the only words that can even touch the pain that they're feeling. And my dad, of course, he he never stopped cussing, honestly, from the moment my mom's accident happened, and he he just, the dementia had gotten a little bit worse, but my dad's dementia was different than Alzheimer's. It did not affect his memory. He always knew who I was. He always knew what was going on, but it affected his mobility. So through the months and years to come, he got less and less mobile, which was really bad even during COVID because my dad was an extrovert. He loved people. He got his energy from preaching and being around people and helping people. So all of that was getting taken away from him, not to mention the pain of the accident. And three years later, on Father's Day 2022, I went to check on him that morning before I would go to church, and I thought, I'll just surprise him with breakfast. And I ran through McDonald's, which he loved, and got to his house and found that he had taken his life with a firearm. And I realized at that moment that the pain was too much for him to bear. And I say in the book, you hear a lot of people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. But that's actually not even in the Bible. God will give you more than you can handle. And my dad is proof of that. 
but that does not mean that it's not still part of his plan. And I see now that my mom and dad's lives, as extraordinary as they were, they are equally extraordinary in their death. They're still helping people with their ministry and their testimony and their lives, even in their death. So those few moments with my dad when I found him, I feel like God gave me those moments. Because with my mom, I had so many questions. And with traumatic loss, that's how it is. We want to know, did they suffer? You know, a lot of us want to know exactly what happened. And with my mom, those questions were left unanswered. And I was just trying to piece the puzzle together through the three years. But with my dad, there was no question. I was with him during the most precious moments, the moments that nobody else got that I got, that he went on and was free from this pain that he was feeling on earth. And I, you know, as I read in the beginning, I guess in the intro, um, before all of this happened, you <clears throat> were teaching high school, proud to have a daughter in college. So I kind of want to go back to that too, because all of this affects all of what you've been through goes through the generations and affects your daughter as well. And uh, the good yeah. and the bad. Yeah. So she's, I'm assuming, um, has graduated from college and uh, yet yeah, what has or what is the has been the effect and also in terms of your relationship with her yes you know um we have well my daughter and I she's my only daughter my only child and she and I actually just spoke this morning and she is in her final semester of law school and we chuckled this morning because she said mom you're helping people with the grief and the sadness but I'm helping people like, you know, from the courthouse aspect of it. And she, my daughter does not really show her emotion. We couldn't be more different in that way. And I've always joked and told everybody she's going to make a great attorney. And she, um, my parents helped me raise my daughter. She got to grow up on the farm like me. My parents would watch her during the week while I would work. And she, um, she actually called my mom, mama. So it was very hard for her. And there early on, I was very frustrated and talking to my counselor, who was also counseling her for some time. And I was like, you know, Reagan's not crying. Reagan's not showing emotion. She's not dealing with her grief. I'm really worried about Reagan. And she looked at me and said, you worry about you. Stay in your lane. And if she's talking to a counselor, she's going to be okay. And she, she lets me know all the time. She just deals with her grief a little differently. Hence the name of my book. She has to remind me. <laughs> yeah, my grief is not yours. And also she's going to make a great attorney. You have to kind of, I mean, <laughs> she, yes, I think uh, she chose the right profession. At least it sounds like that to me. That's Well, anyway, congratulations. It, That's great. Yeah. Has, thank you. She absolutely did. You know, and my parents were so proud of her, their first grandchild, her, their granddaughter. And she um she is really doing a great job. I'm so proud of her. And yes, early on, I was very concerned. You know, if you weren't grieving the way that I thought you should be grieving, then you're not dealing with it. You know, and now I realize, you know, I've been I've been so baptized by fire, so to speak, on the subject. And that's what I tell people. You know, when I go out and speak, I'm not a counselor, or a therapist, or a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, or a doctor, or a nurse. I'm a farm girl. I was a high school teacher. I've been baptized by fire on the subject, and I've learned from some of the best. I had a great foundation of a mother and a father. I had a great foundation of counseling for almost 20 years, and I did have a complicated grief or, as it's now known, prolonged grief disorder or PGD 
training and counseling. And all that, I feel, has fueled me and given me the foundation to help others. What about, you just kind of slipped this in, a blended family that you've you had to. Or, yes. uh, yeah. So let's talk about blended families, your, your blended family, your experience. Yes. My ex-husband and I, he had two daughters and I had a daughter. So, you know, and daughters already are difficult. Anybody out there that has a teenage daughter, you know what I'm talking about. And so if you bring three of them together, it's like, wow. So I had, you know, a counselor and he and I would go and we'd take the girls sometimes and just make sure that we're all getting along the way that we need to and that we're all respecting boundaries and that we're all understanding that, you know, we're all together now and some days you're going to go to your mom's house and some days you're going to go to your dad's house and then we're all going to be together and just kind of getting through those everyday life situations with a blended family. Well, I have to say that, and but I go, so going through divorce, blended family. Um, but then as I read in the beginning, it says, well, you know, you had a husband, you felt that you were really successful husband. What happened? Yeah, I, you know, I like to say um, it's a Gaelism, my counselor. Grief separates the children from the adults, and you will find this out in grief. And everybody grieves in their own way, as we've said. He, um, I found out, was having an affair, and it continued, and I was going through so much with my dad. I had to take family leave from the high school to live with my dad for a short time after my mom's accident and make sure he was going to be okay. I believe I lived with him about six weeks. And, you know, during that time, he was filling the void of the loss because he loved my mother as well, but he was filling it in very different ways. So, you know, grief will take away anything that was covering something before so, yes, we'd had some, you know, marital problems before, but grief will bring it to the surface. And so grief exacerbated will, all of what was happening to you. It was just, yeah, it, yes. as you say, bring it to the surface and exacerbate all those feelings and emotions. Um, really, I, I we only have a couple minutes left, and there's so much more in the book, and you are doing such good work, and I, you know, I really... Um, commend you for that. Um, it's a good thing you were an English teacher because now writing the book, um, that's, <laughs> uh, that's the skill you need, right? You're not just not, I mean, you're journaling, but also you've created this book. My grief is not like yours learning to live after unimaginable loss, a daughter's story. And there's a lot more to the story. So tell uh, our, my audience, uh, where can we uh, actually, they can buy the book, but I listened to the book uh, on Audible. I like to listen, so um, it was great. And, yes, and you I'm did, a listener. Yeah. I'm a listener too. Yeah. Yes, I recorded it. So if you're out there and you're hearing my voice and it hadn't made you get sick of it yet, then you could listen to me record it on. You know, I did record it on Audible. Okay, so it's recorded on Audible, and then I'm website that we can go to for more information about the book or about you and the work that you do. Yes. Thank you. Um, thinktheo.com. That's T-H-I-N-K-T-H-E-O. You can also follow me on Facebook. I put everything that's going on on my Facebook page, which is thinktheo, T-H-I-N-K-T-H-E-O. And you can get the book anywhere that books are sold. I believe it's on sale right now on Amazon. You can order it through my website, and I will actually um, sign it and write, you know, whatever you'd like me to write in it and mail it to you. 
And we've got some other things on the website, like if you don't know what to do for someone and you want to send them something but maybe not flowers, you can go to the website and I've put some things, some merchandise on there that that I would have liked to have received when I was going through this, like a blanket, a coffee mug, and just some self-care things. But yes, you can get the book anywhere that books are sold and you can keep in touch and stay um, stay up to date on my events on my Facebook or on my website. Great. Theo, thanks so much for being on the show today. Theo Boyd, um, we really appreciate your being here. Happy holidays. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. Merry Christmas to y'all. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 